Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hey guys, I'd like to introduce you to a new podcast that I know you're going to love. Do you like travel? Do you like picturesque locations and getting away from it all? Well, this new podcast has all that and murder. It's called Slaycation and it's a darkly humorous look at murders and mysterious deaths that took place on vacation. Hosted by a true crime fanatic, her comedy writer husband and his TV producing partner, Slaycation brings a unique perspective to chilling, thrilling, and WTF stories of vacations gone horribly wrong. From the twisted tale of Harold and Tony Henthorne, whose romantic anniversary in the Rocky Mountains ended with one of them falling off a cliff, to Angelica and Vincent, two recently engaged lovebirds whose Hudson Valley kayaking adventure ended underwater. Each episode of Slaycation will have you asking, accident or murder but it's not just the stories that'll intrigue you it's the discussion between a longtime married couple and business partners who happen to be emmy nominated tv producers each episode of slaycation also includes humor takeaway and travel tips that will keep your next vacation from being your last if you're ready to pack your body bags slaycation is available on all major podcast platforms Search for Slaycation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mental illness is now a fully accepted disorder, but throughout much of history was considered the work of the devil. Often those afflicted would end up suffering horrendous treatments and terrible grief, in hospitals that treated them more like prisoners rather than patients. These are the four most insane and notorious mental asylums ever. Number four, London's Bethlehem Royal Hospital. Founded in 1247, the Bethlehem Royal Hospital started as a priory for St. Mary of Bethlehem. It was initially created to serve as a collection center for the Crusades and eventually transitioned into becoming a hospital catering to the mentally insane, with its first patients being admitted around the 15th century. Since it was founded, it has moved to four different locations, with its horrific reputation only growing every time. The first building was a bungalow-type structure with 12 cells for the patients. There was a small kitchen, exercise yard, and a chapel at the center. It was built on top of a sewer and the drain would frequently get blocked resulting in foul waste overflow every single time. For the first 100 years it was the monks that handled the hospital and took in those who were dubbed mad folks at the time. Though their intentions were pure, the monks were nonetheless harsh in their treatment. Those admitted were given bland, vegetable-free meals to ensure the spirit or illness inside them wouldn't be fed. Then they were punished and placed in solitary confinement to help them come to their senses. 
By the time the hospital transferred to Moorfields, it had switched owners and put under the care of the City of London. The second building was more lavish than the first. At its entrance were two human statues, one depicting melancholy and the other madness. It was dubbed the Palace for Lunatics. However, for the patients inside, the stay was anything but luxurious. Many of them were locked up in their cells and left on their own, and they were served minimal food and water. The hospital was open to the public, allowing general spectators to see the patients, viewing them like a sort of sideshow of entertainment. To enter, they needed to pay two pennies at the front gate. Once inside, they were given unsupervised access, and the hospital workers put patients deemed suitable for display out for everyone to see. Many were put out against their will, which left even more trauma in their already fragile state. Despite being such a lucrative way of gaining funding, Bethlehem eventually closed their doors to public viewings after 90 years. By 1795, the hospital came under the management of John Haslam, who strongly believed there was a cure for mental illness and vowed to find it. To do so, he believed he had to impose fear and intimidation on his patients by breaking their will and ensuring they understood that he was their master. His punishments were composed of beatings, but he would also employ other techniques including the famous rotation therapy. Invented by Charles Darwin's grandfather, Erasmus Darwin, rotation therapy was used as an attempt to cleanse patients of their madness. It consisted of a swing seat suspended from the ceiling. The patient would be strapped in and then using a mechanism, the chair would be spun. It could be turned up to a hundred times a minute causing patients to vomit and suffer vertigo. Haslam believed it was good when they threw up because he believed it was helping cleanse and heal them. When philanthropist Edward Wakefield visited Bethlehem in 1814, he saw a patient named James Norris wearing a chain harness connected through the walls and into another room where staff members handled it. Every time they wanted to punish him, they would yank the chain and his body would slam directly into the wall. Edward couldn't believe what he saw and asked how long he had been chained like that, to which they replied between 9 and 12 years. This caused controversy when it was exposed to the public and resulted in Haslam's expulsion. By 1815, the patients in the Moorfields were transferred to a newer site and building in St. George's Fields, and the hospital slowly changed its form of treatment. Thanks to physician William Hood, who served as the resident physician for the new building, patients were freed from oppressive treatment techniques and instead given a form of rehabilitation. Those who were criminally insane were placed in a different hospital called the Broadmoor Hospital for the Criminally Insane beginning in 1863. Bethlehem moved once again in the 1930s and into the lush countryside of Beckingham where it still operates today. Most recently, Bethlehem was in the news because mass graves were discovered just a few feet from the grounds in the Liverpool Street Station. This was the site of the first Bethlehem and it's estimated that as many as 4,000 residents of the asylum were buried at this site. Number 3. Aradale Mental Hospital Considered as one of Australia's largest abandoned asylums, Aradale Mental Hospital, formerly known as the Ararat Lunatic Asylum, was first built in 1864. The hospital contained 63 buildings, 
with each ward made to accommodate certain cases, including one for morons, one for lunatics, and those who were violent and unstable. The hospital operated for 130 years, and during that period it's estimated that more than 13,000 people died inside. It was awfully easy for anyone to be admitted, but very hard to get out. All it took was one signature from someone admitting a person, but it took eight signatures to get a patient out. Aside from that policy, the notoriety of Airedale starts with its structure. The buildings were a barracks-type design similar to asylums in England during the 1850s. They were mostly made from oversized bricks and rendered with cement in place. There were large wings opposite each other designated for each sex and courtyards surrounding these. Its most distinctive feature, however, were the haha walls. These were especially created to give the illusion of freedom. From the outside, the walls look short enough for a man to climb over, but from the inside, deep trenches have been dug out which effectively doubled their height. Inside the hospital, patients were served bland food, lobotomized and abused with horrendous punishments. Those who handled them often did not have the proper training and verbally abused patients calling them dumb, stupid, or imbeciles among many other things. Recordings or progress notes about patients were often left unwritten by staff or there would be huge gaps between the years, making you wonder what happened to them in between. Patients who would masturbate or attempt sexual assault on a fellow inmate were punished via solitary confinement or torture using mechanical contraptions, and those who became unmanageable or rowdy were often bled out. It wasn't until the early 1990s when the asylum was finally decommissioned with many of the patients who had been housed there being transferred to other facilities. Today the structure serves as the campus for the Melbourne Polytechnic Training Center. Wineries and vineyards also surround the place, replacing the horrors that once went on inside. Number 2. Penhurst State School and Asylum Once dubbed as the shame of Pennsylvania, Penhurst State School and Asylum epitomized the horrendous conditions of most asylums from decades past. It opened in 1908, and originally it wasn't intended to be an asylum, but instead as a hospital and state school. The government recognized that hospitals caring for the physically and mentally disabled needed to be built. They catered to patients who had psychological or physical abnormalities including those who were blind, deaf, mute, or those with imperfect speech. The first time they are admitted, the officials would classify them into categories like insane or imbecile, and they were also labeled with having good, bad, or poor teeth. Over time, Penhurst was forced to also accept immigrants, orphans, and even criminals, so it soon became known as the place to rid society of their undesirable people. Because of its location for a good while, it functioned like a small independent city, and those within it worked to keep it going. However, the situation at the asylum was appalling. By the 60s, Penhurst was home to more than 2,790 people, which was way more than it was intended to handle. Although there were some patients that still got to utilize the school services and other programs offered, these were in very limited numbers. 
Most patients experience abuse at the hands of the keepers because they couldn't focus or achieve results due to their condition. Even though administrators recognized they weren't giving the most ample treatment, they didn't have the means to correct it and so it gradually got worse. The buildings were dilapidated, they had barely any budget and only 9 medical doctors with 11 teachers, all of which had no skills fit to care for the type of patients they faced. During the 60s, a reporter from NBC created a five-episode expose about the facility. Viewers were shocked and appalled at the conditions of its patients. In it, you can see adults strapped and bound in adult-sized cribs, inmates paced, rocked, and twitched, and the place was seen as completely unsanitary. Moreover, even some of the nurses and caregivers actually arranged for fights between the patients for their sadistic enjoyment. The video is difficult to watch, especially with what we know now. It shows that there was hardly any distinction between those who were progressive and those who needed more focused care. One physician even explained on camera how he punished a bully patient. This particular individual was terrorizing another person in the facility, so the physician asked his colleagues which drug he could give him that would cause him the most pain but without any permanent injury. He then proceeded to inject this drug into the bully patient. Instances like these are not out of the ordinary at Penhurst. Eventually, the documentary caused enough uproar that by 1987 the institution was forced to close down. The patients were transferred to different locations and some were discharged completely, still suffering from their debilitating mental conditions. Number 1 the Federico Mora Hospital. The Federico Mora Hospital in Guatemala is considered one of the most dangerous mental health institutions in the entire world. When you walk in, you'll see patients lying motionless on the floor or in their cells, appearing to be heavily sedated. Some are barely clothed, while others are completely naked and covered in their own urine and feces. Patients inside long for human contact and interaction, something they rarely get from any of the workers that are already underpowered as it is. The staff says the patients are only sedated because it's the only way for them to cope. For every two or three nurses, there are over 60 to 70 patients. Inside the sleeping quarters, patients sleep in beds with puddles of their own urine and feces because they can't take themselves to the toilet and have no one to assist them. Moreover, the cases of sexual abuse and rape are rampant and well-known among those inside. At least two former patients have come forward saying that they were raped while in the hospital. One female was attacked while heavily sedated on her third night's stay. She was 17 years old at the time and a virgin, so when she woke up from sedation, she found herself bleeding and it was then that she realized what had happened. Another patient named Ricardo stayed at the hospital for three years and was raped repeatedly. It took a legal battle for him to be able to get out because he was wrongly diagnosed with schizophrenia. He adds it's the staff, the patients, and even the doctors too that rape and systematically take advantage of the people inside. Other patients, including minors, are placed in isolation cells for hours and even days at a time. Staff reports the isolated cells are monitored but at least one patient hung herself while inside. Even some of the workers have spoken out under anonymity about the horrors of the institution. There are rats and cockroaches everywhere, 
and not enough medication to go around. They also admit that sexual abuse is very real and that they have complained several times but nothing has been done. After the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights in 2012 ordered the government to take emergency measures regarding the situation of the hospital, Guatemalan officials slowly began to create improvements in the facilities. As of 2017, a new structure and a remodeling have been completed, which seeks to help provide better and safer health care to the 334 patients in the hospital. So those were the four most insane and notorious mental asylums ever. You would think that archaic asylums with deplorable conditions and inhumane treatments are a thing of the past, but there are still many institutions that function like this, even in today's modern world. If you enjoyed this video, then let us know in the comments below, and remember to subscribe to our channel so we can bring you new videos every single week. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you next week.